0: Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He is Dave Simone, and we kick off the show this week with an old friend. Somebody that used to, to run with the Bearcat Journal pack when he first made his move to Cincinnati. He has since become an international superstar at Pro Football Focus. My friend, Austin Gale. What's up, my brother?
1: Dude, so great to be on the podcast, man. I I've I missed hanging out with you guys. I've missed covering the UC Bearcats. It's been uh, it's been awesome at PFF, but there's definitely times where I miss covering the games and being there at different. You missed the fun part.
2: Like they were bad. I know. You know I me. know. I was there when they were bad. I. I, I, I Austin's I was fault. Been the curse. I might have been the curse. That's what I'm saying.
1: As Soon as you left, all of a sudden everything turned around. Dude, I knew. I remember when we were first at that practice in the bubble. And Desmond Ritter was still playing behind – what was his name? I don't even remember the quarterback's name. Um,
0: Hunter uh, Hayden Moore.
1: Yeah, still playing behind Hayden Moore. And you were like, man, this kid might be good. And I was like, oh, let's see it. And then we finally got to see a kid out of Louisville, Desmond Ritter, showing up, man. He's been, he's been awesome. I mean, there's some people in the, in the 2022 draft community, people looking at Desmond Ritter as a guy to just watch for in the season.
0: All right, I'm gonna Dave. Dave has loaded up on questions for you, Austin, and we've got you for about 20 25 minutes. So I'm gonna turn you over to Dave because Dave is our resident draft nerd. And two, my wife and kid are gone, and my dogs are losing their mind downstairs right now. So I've got to go check on that. Dave, you're in charge.
2: All right, sounds good. Uh, first things first, listen to the pod this morning, combine or whatever you want to call it, pro day winners and losers. You gave a brief mention to James Wiggins. So just go in a little bit more on uh, James Wiggins as one of your guys pro day winners.
1: Yeah. I mean, James Wiggins, the the safety for you at UC is the guy that I think we knew You know, he's a three-year Bruce Feldman's athlete, you know, freaks list guy. I mean, this guy is explosive. He's a bowling ball of dynamite in a lot of ways. The I think that the, the highlight I had was he didn't run the change of direction drills for a reason. I do think you see some stiffness to his game, some some you know, lack of hip fluidity. I, I really like him as a box player. I don't know if I'd want to play him at slot corner. I love him as a box player, playing safety, coming downhill, owning the box, you know, r- and being that kind of early down run player that you can be at safety or um, asking him to kind of just be a full-time box player. I don't even necessarily need to limit him to a safety position in the NFL. Love his athleticism, love his explosiveness, his speed, his straight line speed. I think I have, again, concerns with the hip fluidity, Concerns if you're going to ask him to play man coverage in the slot or something along those lines. But in his own heavy scheme, playing him in the box and and rotating him down, I think that could be a lot of fun for uh, James Wiggins in the NFL.
2: I guess going off of that, where do you feel his best fits might be team-wise? And where do you – do you see this pro day elevating his draft status or more confirming what people thought? Because, like, I run all sorts of your guys' uh, mock simulators – which is a fantastic platform, uh, and I typically see him coming off end of fourth, fifth type range. Is that what you guys think, or could he, from his pro day, elevate himself up even higher than that?
1: I, I, I think it kind of more confirmed what we knew about James Wiggins. You know, physical freak, straight line guy, ton of ton of explosiveness, a guy that comes downhill with vengeance. I mean, a game. What what what. what People need to realize, too, though, is James Wiggins also a baller. I mean, playmaker on the football and those types of things that show up only on tape, not at Pro Days, that get people excited. I think that's where James Wiggins, you know, more people need to turn on that tape. And hopefully, if anything, the Pro Day got more coaches, more evaluators back to his tape and looking at what he can do. Um, I I do think he's probably comfortably – A day three player, I think round four, round five is where I start to feel comfortable taking him off the board just because he's kind of scheme limited. You know, you don't again, you don't want him doing a ton of man coverage looks in the NFL. That's why teams that run a ton of single high, um, a ton of single high and ask their box safeties to be in the box all the time. I think like Gus Bradley in Las Vegas is an option. You know what he wanted to do with his box safeties, what he's going to try to do with Jonathan Abram there in Las Vegas could be an option. I think Seattle is an option. I think any of those teams that want to run a ton of cover three, a ton of single, single high looks, because you don't want them deep back there. You, know, you don't want them running two high looks in quarters coverage and those types of things, two-man coverage. You want him in the box playing up close. And I think there's only a handful of schemes that still run a ton of single high. I think um, you know, Seattle, Las Vegas, um, maybe Atlanta You know, with Keanu Neal. I think now out of Atlanta, I think there's opportunities there as well.
2: That's one that I was going to mention too. So going with his running mate then, Derek Forrest, who we talked about with James kind of pro day confirming he blew me away from the standpoint of, I don't see that type of speed when I watch his tape. Do you guys see kind of the same thing? And because his pro day was in all elements was just off the charts. Is he now more of a draftable player than before or teams now going to go back and go, okay, we now have to check and see if this measures up with what we saw on tape.
1: I mean, that that's a riser. I mean, when you see a pro day as fantastic as what Derek Forrest did, that's insane. I think teams are going to go back to the tape, look what they see in Derek Forrest. I think something to keep in mind, I remember Chad telling me this when I was first on the beat. You know, it's, you know, Derek Forrest did not show up looking like that. You know, he's a guy that they completely transformed in the weight room. And I think you have to factor that in to his player evaluation. Like, this is a very developmental player. He has become physically a completely different player at the collegiate level over you know three or four years he's been there and for that reason you're betting on that upward trajectory you're betting on that arrow continuing to trend up for Derek Forrest so I do think that he's a riser for a lot of people I think he's f- firmly solidified himself getting drafted and I think the other thing there too is that go back and why, why was he invited to the east west shrine World? talk to some coaches and some evaluators that liked his tape there I do I do think that Derek Forrest Comfortably a draftable player and a guy that immediately can transition to a special teams role. And one with enough tools now, especially after that pro day you want to develop.
2: What are his, what are his fits? And you know, who are some teams that could be looking for to add a guy like him? When you have
1: measurables like that, it's honestly like you're, you're a ball of play-doh. You know, I want to play you in the secondary. I, I, I might try him at outside corner, knowing it's a more valuable position. I might try him at deep safety. I think you have to get creative with his usage and honestly, try and find a defensive back coach that can identify where he could probably you know, best excel. I think I'm more thinking about outside corner versus free safety than I am like scheme fits necessarily. I do think that he's still a ball of clay, a very good one, and one that you know could be a lot of different things in the NFL, but one that is going to have to take a lot of coaching in the NFL and t- continued body development, all those types of things. I'd be less worried about scheme fit as much as I am positional fit at this point.
2: He's the guy, too, that I feel like, I mean, and a lot of the UC guys have been this way over the last several years. But like when he gets a chance to talk to the coaches, they are just going to like somebody is going to pull an Andy Reid or whatever and just be like, I have to have this guy just on my team. And we'll figure out how to how to work him in just because the way that he is a leader and kind of just jumped in when Luke got here and and has gone from there. you know, how it is like coaches find out about certain guys and they're like, I just, this, this is a guy that I have to have in my team.
1: Yeah. I mean, the intangibles are going to help them out a ton too. And when teams obviously seen as a developmental player, like the number one thing obviously is, do you have the tools to develop in the NFL? Are you a 85th, eight, 90th percentile athlete Two, do you have the means, the ability between the ears and the leadership qualities and the intangibles to actually act on that development? You know, you run into a ton of Physical freaks. There are, you know, a ton of physical freaks in college football, which ones can actually turn that ball of clay into legitimate production, legitimate polish in the NFL. And oftentimes it's not, it's not the freakiest guy. It's the guy most committed and most capable of taking feedback, implementing feedback, getting better on and off the field, committing to the weight room and those types of things. When you see a physical player like Derek Forrest and you factor in those intangibles, again, I think there are going to be teams that are sprinting to get him on their football team.
2: All right, so we hit on the two positives. Unfortunately, we have to hit on the negative, which was James Hudson. I was kind of blown away in the wrong way with some of the numbers, because when I've watched him, he's always seemed like an athletic guy, uh, and he did not test that way. So in the same sense that we talked about with Forrest, you know, teams are now, because he was a riser throughout this year and at the Senior Bowl, so now how do you juxtapose That with his pro day, and I guess probably the biggest number that factors in for a guy like him is arm length. Like, does he now slot into guard? Is he just not a tackle prospect?
1: It's tough, man. I I really liked his tape this past year. I really liked his tape at the Senior Bowl. Expected him to test better. I think the first question I ask is, what happened? You know, are these numbers that you saw offseason – and still tested that expectation. Did these fall well below expectation? How are you feeling that morning? Can we get some retesting going? Because, like, you know, this guy was, you know, formerly a highly covered recruit for Michigan, played defensive tackle, made that flip off with the tackle. Yet you expected more explosiveness. And then you factor in the arm length as well. There's probably some reason to consider kicking him inside. Would I start him at tackle? Absolutely. But at this point, originally, James Hudson was a raw, recent, you know, position change player with. At least what you saw on tape, some athleticism, some explosiveness to buy into. And now you just don't see that in his pro day. Measurables come up a little bit short. Now you're starting to see him probably slide down boards. I'm not saying he's going to maybe take a complete skid down to day three. But I, I do think now you're starting to see round three, if not maybe round four, round five for James Hudson. Because you know, teams aren't just ready to buy into those numbers. You talk to teams, talk to front offices, they talk a ton about taking players off their board. You know, If certain medicals don't check, if certain measurables don't hit. They take players off their boards like, hey, we don't bring in players this small, this tiny, this many medical red flags, this many background red flags. And some teams won't like James Hudson. Others will. It'll be interesting to see where it goes.
2: Well, that was kind of that. That's kind of the thing, because it was like, yes, he is raw, but he has these intangibles, these measurables. Well, then come to find out that that's not what everybody thought. So I think a lot of people were saying, okay, third round, because a team's going to go. We don't need him right now. But he's so raw and he can do all these things that will take him and now they're probably going, well, he doesn't actually have that toolbox of things that we thought he did and he's raw. So do we see kind of a, what has typically been a 70 to 90 pick range now fall, you know, into like you said, into the fourth, fifth round. You
1: probably do. And again, I think you have to ask him that, you know, you have to ask him the question of, you know, we saw on tape, we thought in our opinion, you were going to test better. Why is it, because you know, it, it comes back to training, it comes back to offseason preparation, it comes back to you know what he was doing in preparation for that pro day. I think another player that's similar is like people like Paris sports tape at Pittsburgh, but if you run a 485 and pl- try to play safety in the NFL, it's just not going to work. You know, like that, that, that this isn't going to happen. You ran a 753 cone, like that. Again, you, I don't care how good your tape was, if you're that slow and that poor of an athlete from a change of direction perspective, teams are going to take you off your board. And some of that I think is on the agent. Maybe Paris Ford wasn't in a position to test that day. Same with another Pittsburgh player in Jalen Twyman. I mean, Jalen Twyman, 40 reps on the bench. You love to see that. But outside of that, an eight-second three-cone, a 5'4", 40-yard dash. I think, Chad, I
2: think Chad could throw that down right now.
1: <laughs> Chad's ready to run an 8-second 3-cone. I could definitely... Like, that's
2: the thing with James. Is I got that. Put, he put I got on that. Like, he put on a little bit of weight. He played this year around 3.05. He was 3.13, so it's not like he got up to 3.20-something, and he still only did low 20s in bench reps, which I always envision him as like a, a pretty strong physical guy and he's doing the same number of reps as Forrest and Wiggins. So There's just a big discrepancy in what I thought I saw all year versus what he showed last week. I agree. No, I agree. And that discrepancy is going to hurt him. It's definitely going to hurt him. Okay, so punters, UC has one. How do you go about even forecasting punters draftability?
1: I mean, PFF does grade every single player on every single play. And punters and kickers are graded too. I honestly look at that and look at that data. I'm not watching punter tape. I'm sorry. My hand's up. I'm not watching a ton of punter tape. That's I look like,
2: at, me, see, Chad, he doesn't watch punter tape. I don't chart plays when the threes are in, in scrimmages. That's my break. Austin's break is punters and kickers.
1: I, and I have, to, I have to stand by that. I mean, I, we have a lot of really good data on punters and kickers. So, you know. Where what part of the what hash are you kicking from? We have the the field goal post broken down by um, a a grid. Where the ball is going in that grid, like we have a lot of good data on kickers and punters, and it's such a it's such a controlled position. You know, it's not something we have to like try and identify traits and things like that. It's like, okay, no, how effective are you? How productive are you as a kicker? or as a punter, we also can break it down to like final two minutes, down three points, you know, and, you know, all these different things. I think I lean on that data. And I do think that, um, you know, UC's punter is one that, I mean, I'm never drafting a punter. That's my front office strategy. I'm never drafting a punter. I'll take these guys UDFAs or whatever it may be. But I, uh, I mean, he's a guy that definitely deserves a shot. in the NFL.
2: Is there anybody else? I know Jared Dokes had a pretty, pretty strong pro day. Is there anybody else in this group that you could see possibly get drafted in the seventh, from a standpoint of team doesn't want to fight with a bunch of other teams for undrafted free agent and just says we'll just take him right now, the punter could be that.
1: I think jokes could be that. But I think after that, I don't think you're seeing a guy that you, you're yeah, hey
2: there's some background coming from somewhere. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the the, the, get, the name I wanted, man, because I
1: loved him when I was covering the beat was Terrell White, but like he's just too small. Yeah, I mean, it, it,
2: it, it's tough, man. If you're that short, it's very difficult. You just don't have a like. Where do you even try yeah. to line them up? You're I mean, not yeah. he fast <laughs> enough to play safety. You're still too short, even for that. I mean, yeah, I that's what I'm you're, saying. You're, it's you're like five, don't
1: eight. Be short for special teams, and at that point, it's like, well, I'd rather take a flyer. As good, and as good as Gerald White was in college, I mean, I'm sure he's great off the field. I know he's a big, you know, big leader on that team. It's just like there's certain measurables, again, where you kind of just take them off your board. Dokes tested better than I thought. But I'll tell you the biggest red flag with Dokes from teams is going to be the medicals. You know, a guy oh, yeah. that's consistently hurt and, and never really lived up to expectation. He has highlight plays. I love Dokes at, at UC. Uh, he has highlight plays, but it's just the consistency that concerns me.
2: One guy that I'm sure you guys were studying as the season went on, and decided to come back was myj Sanders what did you think about him throughout the year kind of where you guys slotted him in from a defensive end standpoint edge player and then you know obviously you're neck deep in this year's draft but in any sort of idea of if he kind of builds off of what he did this year could he be a first round guy
1: my Sanders is my guy I love maja Sanders I liked him as a top top 80 type of player in this year's draft. And he's still very raw, but if he can add, here's the thing. My Sanders has some tools, some traits that teams are going to really like let's, let's let's let, let's let rubber meet the road here. When you're playing in the AAC, you're playing in the American athletic conference. Let's go get some production. I want to see rush wins. I want to see pressures. I want to see sacks. If my Sanders can go out and dominate, be the best edge defender in the American athletic conference with the tools and traits he has. I mean, you're talking about a top 50
2: player. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a 260 two
0: hundred and sixty-pound guy. Well, Austin, what would you say if I told you that he played this past year at
1: 230? That I mean doesn't surprise me in a lot of ways. I'm less scared of weight at edge than I am others. And I think there's obviously he still has more opportunity to grow, I mean, build up. Well, okay,
0: so so he played as a sophomore at 250 or so, 255. Uh-huh. He's one of those guys that when he went back home, they just they don't have enough food to feed him. <laughs> so when he when he came back, you know he came back in that two two thirty 230, 235 range, and they were already ramping up to the season then. So they didn't really have the time mm-hmm. to put that weight back on him. At spring ball, he's been at about two fifty five,
1: and they can't block. Him. That's incredible. I mean, two fifty five at that that length with that. I mean, that is again. You talk about building an edge, not enough people are talking about Maje Sanders. I really wanted him to come out in this draft. But you look at him next year and he puts on the production he's capable of, buddy. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, and I know for, for a fact next year, there's some decent edge talent. I like Kayvon Thibodeau, from Oregon. I like Zach Harrison of Ohio State. Maje Sanders is up there for me, man. Obviously, there's other players that will kind of break out in their first year back and stuff like that. But I like Maje Sanders a lot.
2: So probably the other big name that'll be, we're all assuming will be entering the draft next year's cornerback Ahmad Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys have put out plenty of information about his his ability, and the the thing that I've always been curious about because he is kind of that longer, rangier type corner is what is his true top end speed? Mm-hmm. And talking to Brady Collins, director of uh, sports performance, he said he is plenty, plenty fast enough. Yeah. So if that's the case, if he throw, you know, if next year, if he tests in the low four, fours or four threes, I mean, he's got to be a first round guy at whatever six, two and the production that he's had in will be, will be three full years of starting.
1: I mean, look at JC Horn and Pat sister tan two tall, long corners clocking in the low four, fours, high four threes with really good production in the sec. I think Ahmad Garner could be held in a similar vein. If he goes out there and dominates again, and he's done that. He's done that. He has been very productive in coverage for us. You you continue to do that. And with the length and with the measurables where, at a position where they matter, you know, you need good change of direction. You need good explosiveness. You need good speed. You need good length at corner to really win in the NFL. He has that. I mean, that's another guy that I think UC is going to turn out some talent. That's another guy where Ahmad Garner, IJ Sanders, those are probably my two favorite, ahead of Desmond Ritter. I don't think Desmond Ritter right now is firmly in the first round conversation. I think there's still uh, some people with reservations with his game. I still think he needs to play a lot better football. But Myjah Sanders, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, those are those are two legitimate dudes who, right now, if you were putting together like early big boards for 2022, easily top 100, if not top 50 prospects. I
0: mean, Austin, I think,
2: oh sorry, go ahead.
0: Jeff. Could you have ever imagined four years ago we would be talking about three guys? With first round potential. No coming no. from this program.
1: No, what Luke Fickle, Marcus Freeman, I'm gonna throw Chad Brendel in there as well. What they've <laughs> from this program is just absolutely sensational. I mean, they are legitimately churning out recruiting and churning out talent. And I, I think it's a program that team, people want kids want to play for now. I mean, when we, when I got here, it was desolate, man. I mean, I remember you telling me about the Tommy Tuberville days where, you know, one of the funnier comments you made to me was Luke fickle said, you know, or one of the players said before this year, we didn't practice special teams. And it's like, yeah. it's like, what's going on here. It's uh, it was definitely a shock, especially I was, you know, obviously went to San Diego state covering that program, though. It's not, it's not successful by any means. It was a different era though. I mean, Rocky long, coached there and coached well for a long time and I think a lot of people respected him and I was coming from a program where the coach was like solidified in the city man everyone loved Rocky Long. and then go to UC where obviously a big change at coach time terminal has gone and now you bring in this guy Luke Fickle from Ohio State and he's just absolutely dominated at every step and turn he's dominated.
2: I think Desmond everybody knows what he needs to do like he totally fits exactly what what would you say 90% of NFL teams want from a quarterback now? And if he can just take that step from a pure passing and especially downfield passing part of his game, I mean, he's gotten taller. He's put on, like I saw him, you know, last Saturday or whatever, like he is every bit of what pretty much every team wants. And we know his running ability and, and things like and his leadership and all that, but if he can take that next step this year, I don't see any reason why he couldn't go in the first round because he fits what all these teams want now. I I like his
1: arm talent. I I, I think that's, that's where I want to see him put, put some zip on it. I want to see, I want to see really let him unload because I think a lot of his successful throws down the football field where he's kind of showing that off a vertical lead type of throws, never just hammering it. I want to see him put the mustard on some, you know, what, what you saw from Zach Wilson at times, obviously Trevor Lawrence at times, Trey Lance, like if you really want to get into that conversation of what 90% of team want, you need to see the hose. You need to see legitimate, legitimate arm talent. Cause I like his rushing ability, the leadership qualities. And I think you've shown, we've seen flashes of some arm talent, some stuff down the football field, but I want to see more of it. And I think you, again, playing in the American like, let's see it. I want you to be the best quarterback in the American. Why not? If you, you know, you don't want to end up in the Jordan love conversation, you know, Jordan love tools, rushing ability, all these things, people were comparing him to Trey Lance as a prospect. And then his final year at Utah state, like just didn't show up. And, and like, that is going to concern teams. That's the reason he goes at the back end of the first and not in the Trey Lance category where Trey Lance probably goes in the top five, top 10.
2: For sure. Well, we appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. And I mean, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. Po- you're just, everywhere. I, I, I know we don't have enough. We didn't have as much time. I listened to your one podcast where your mom came to visit and I almost drove off the road laughing you telling the pancake story um, <laughs> cutting out the hole in the middle of the three stack pancakes filling it up like a syrup reservoir to dip the pieces in letting the syrup seep into the pancakes and then filling it up again Chad my and I, mom. as a couple husky fellas can totally relate and and love that story
1: my mom is an absolute savage man she is full six foot Monster. She eats like the most insane. Her diet might be the most insane thing I've ever seen. When she came and visited, she mixed tequila, Red Bull, and Dr Pepper. She's out here grinding. <laughs> what?
2: She, oh, I, I, I was oh, two for two for one draft podcast with him and Mike. I was dying laughing when he was telling the story about his mom cutting a hole in the middle of the pancakes to fill it up with the syrup. That
1: story's great. I mean, so the, the full story, I'll give it to you guys. We, we go to breakfast. It's one of the, so my mom and I aren't super close. It's one of the first times we really ever eat together. And um, we go to breakfast and it's a breakfast place uh, uh, in slow Cal, uh, Cal Poly slow. I don't remember the name of it. So it was kind of down under, whatever. We go there. She gets a coffee first. And what the amount of cream and sugar she puts in this coffee is absolutely absurd. It looks like white by the end of it. Like <laughs> you, need, you need you don't like coffee, you like sugar. And then she orders a stack of pancakes, you know, four, you know, three or four pancakes, and like like clockwork, like a surgeon, immediately, not even, there's no hesitation in this decision. Goes to the stack of pancakes, cuts out a legit square out of the pancakes. So all four, they're still stacked. All four of the pancakes get cut up. She takes the four square, the little four little squares that come out, sets them on the side, and then she goes, grabs the syrup, and just starts running it. And it's just going, in. just pouring, 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 pouring. And then it fills, waits, waits. She doesn't do anything yet. She waits. She's having the conversation, takes a sip of the coffee, waits. The syrup seeps in, pours another one, runs it back, pours it again, refills it, and then starts dipping her pan, the squares into the middle. And I'm like, that might be the grossest way I've ever seen anyone eat pancakes in. <laughs> <laughs> sounds delicious. It's probably fantastic to It be sounds
2: fair. like she just ordered like I'll have some pancakes with a side of diabetes.
1: Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> she definitely, uh, I mean, from a health perspective, it was not a decision I would make.
2: <laughs> but tell tell everybody where the podcast they can find you on. Obviously, pff but uh you guys are running that way almost daily right now for the draft, yeah, right? We're,
1: uh, Definitely check out Two foreign Drafts. That's the podcast Mike and I do. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, pff.com. Always encourage people to go to pff.com. I'm doing a ton of great work there. And then you can follow me on Twitter, pff underscore Austin Gale, G-A-Y-L-E. Make sure to check it out. We, we miss you. I miss you. I miss you guys. Wait till COVID's yeah. over. We're going to go get some pancakes, all three of us. Well, last time we dined, it was barbecue, right? It was, and it was fantastic. I would love to do yeah. that. You,
2: you've got to bring you and, and Mike come out to Higher Ground this year, and we'll go get some barbecue.
1: I don't. I like that. It goes it's
0: closed.
2: To- okay, what they closed yeah. it?
0: Huh. Yeah, that that the the Velvet Smoke out there in Harrison closed.
2: Like for good? I think so. Why? Brutal. What the, f- what, what not, the hell am I supposed to eat out there now?
0: We're gonna have to find something else. I mean, that you're your, nothing bur-
2: else, Chad.
0: Your burger place is out there. Friendlies or whatever,
2: Freddy's. That's a change. Freddy's. No. I know. I can get that five minutes from my house.
0: Yeah, the, there's no more Velvet Smoke Ugh. out at Higher Ground, so we're gonna have to find something else. But you guys do need absolutely to come check out Higher Ground. we we'll make
1: ju- a good plan. I would love to do that. Honestly, with Majin Sanders out there, and Mike Garner, just check it out. I think that would be sweet to see.
0: And there's there's some there's a couple guys that have next on this roster too, so it's gonna be fun to see the Bearcats in 2021.
1: Nice man. I'm looking forward
0: to it. All right, thank you brother. Appreciate Thanks, it. That's Austin. Austin Gale, pro football focus. Formerly, when anybody asks, I always tell him he got his start at Bearcat Journal. Big thank bro. you brother. Of course, thank you. Dave, that it was that uh is that is that big for you? Yeah, it's good. You can just hang up if you want, Austin.
2: Okay.
1: All
0: right. You know, See, we're going to we're going to keep going. Unless you want to talk We're going to uh, talk
2: about basketball now, which is I'm not you know, ready for basketball. Super super exciting. So if you want to hang out for that, all right, we'll see you. See you, brother.
0: Again, uh, Dave, you, I, I wish we had him longer because you would have nerded out with him for two hours.
2: Oh, yeah, I probably would have taken this into like the team Sewell team chase debate. <laughs> everyone, everyone would have got mad. This isn't a Bengals podcast. And, you know, so. But no, it's going to mean, hit on kind of a lot of the same thoughts, you know, that I've had and that we've talked about. I mean, we've got some draftable guys and. Gave good gave good intel on on their traits and and where we could see them fit and how they could get drafted.
0: Uh, no spring practice today. The schedule has been adjusted. Still waiting to see what the schedule looks like upon the return from uh, from Easter break. So thought there was going to be one today. Um, got got moved at the last minute. Still waiting to see what the rest of. Uh, the rest of the spring is going to look like. So when they're open, we'll be there when we, when we're allowed, uh, we will be at practice. Unfortunately today was not one of those days. Um, I don't think we really have any, and did, is there any other football stuff you wanted to talk about? I mean, we kind of kind of did the halfway point of spring last podcast.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was at practice and then they had what one practice and then went on break for yeah. Easter and then they were supposed to, do they have one when they got back yet, or was this supposed to be the first one?
0: No, they were doing all the like reacclimation crap. So
2: there, yeah. So there wasn't. There was really nothing there, and then this one got canceled. So yeah, we really don't have anything new to talk about in that sense.
0: No. Do we Unfortunately. Yeah, I'd love for more to talk about. My dog. This is gonna like. This is gonna be the problem. Over should, the next we should. We should have days.
2: done a. a we should have done a mailbag because. Neither of us really want to talk about what we have to talk about next, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't really have any choice, unfortunately. Um, still no conclusion on the basketball saga.
2: All right. Well, that's all right. We're done then.
0: The, I I have <laughs> spoken to some folks today that that are of the belief we could hear something tomorrow. Uh, I am. Not fully in that camp yet. I think it is possible. I also think it is equally, if not more possible, that this goes into next week. Um, if this goes, like, I know, you know, people have uh, taken exception at times to my stance on this thing. If this goes into to week five, it's a gross miscalculation of, of the entire situation.
2: That's mm-hmm. the only
0: way I can look at it.
2: What's there to take exception to? I don't.
0: That I'm being too hard on John Cunningham, I guess, which I've been hard on John Brannon. We're, we're, because I don't think anybody has handled this well.
2: How could you not be, how could you not look at this objectively and be like, yeah, this is a mess on all fronts?
0: There are people that are fine with it taking this long. That, that, that's just, this is just part of the process and, And John Cunningham was playing out the process and we get to, we have to wait until the end to find out what that process was. We're really
2: supposed to believe that when he sat down with whoever or told whoever that this was what he was going to do. And they said, and they said, how long do you think this is going to take? He said, I expect this to take a month and a half. Like there's no chance that that, was right I mean because this started before the end of the season let's not kid ourselves
0: yeah I mean we've talked about that
2: right so don't put, don't put like the Houston game as like the start of this so we're well over you know we're at a, six, month. a month so that I just can't understand that that anyone would be like oh yeah This is just the way it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, that part of it, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. like, and that's, that's why I've said, I I don't think anyone has handled this well. You name it. I don't think it's been handled well. I, I don't think with a, with a clear conscience that the person in charge could have said, if this is still going on, you know, who cares if this is still going on in a month, month and a half. Like we're, we're where we want to be. This, this is, this was the plan. If this was the plan and you were okay with it, ever consider that it was a really freaking bad plan. Like, is anybody going to talk about that? Are we going to have that discussion at all?
2: I mean, you want me to have that discussion? I could have told you that.
0: I know we're on the same page on this. Like the, the, the that's kind of the hard part of, Doing a podcast format on this is—I think we're both. Look, John screwed up. We didn't handle the
2: situation Wait, well. You, do you want to take the Skip Bayless role, or do you want me to just pretend that I'm outraged by something? No, that I don't. That that, I'm not outraged by because I—I mean, I could that's do that. The,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's not like it, it's not authentic. I—it I, doesn't no, do us I any don't. good. Um,
2: People know how I feel.
0: I know. I, I just—you can't possibly have thought. Yeah, it sounds pretty bad out there. I think that's why my dogs are going nuts downstairs that and mommy's not here to comfort them. And daddy's busy doing a podcast. So they're not happy with me, but I don't know. It's, it's just infuriating. It it just, it sucks so bad to see the basketball program just twisting in the wind with no end in sight.
2: That's the thing to me is like, I know everybody is not everybody. A lot of people are just very anxious for this to be over because they feel every day that it goes on we get we dig and dig and dig, which is somewhat true, but at the same time, if we're being realistic. When a move is made and i'm not saying all of it can be wiped away, but if the right hire is made, they can move out of this pretty quickly. You hope. They are in a much easier league than the last time that we had to deal with anything like this. Yeah, for sure. If Wichita Wichita State can add seven guys and have the season that they did, I'm not saying that it's apples to apples, but like this whole, like, it's going to take us a decade to dig out of it. I, I mean, I've been sour on a lot of things basketball program wise, but I do not. Look at it that way at all. I mean, if you make the right hire, sure, maybe you have a one year like, holy shit, this is really bad. But if you make the right hire, that's a one year thing, not a three year thing. Hopefully. Right, it's all hopeful. But like, I'm just saying, like, every a lot of people are just like, we are effed, no matter what. Yeah. And I, and I don't buy that.
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing, and we talked about this in the past other than Kelvin Sampson, who's a good coach in this league that we're sure, like, that's a good coach. Right. Penny has flaws. We don't know about the guy at Wichita State other than they had a good year this year. Uh, But they also returned, uh, like, it it was, again, it was very similar to what John took over in terms of the main guys that really produced for Wichita State were guys that that were from the the great Marshall years.
2: Correct.
0: We'll see more about them as, you know, he has to replace those guys and, and they have to move forward. Um, Johnny Dawkins, Brian Gregory, Frank Haith.
2: East like, Carolina's coach, whatever his name is.
0: Joe Dooley. Ron uh,
2: Moore, who's, who Ron said Hunter. That there's no way in hell we'll finish last place. And hadn't they finished last two years in a row?
0: Like I, I, you know that that's where you can take some some comfort. I think it is a retread coaches league right now with a bunch of coaches that haven't proven, other than Kelvin Sampson, to be high level coaches. Maybe a couple average to slightly above average. Nobody high level.
2: The the thing, the one thing, and maybe there is more, but the one thing that uh, that is bothering me about how long this is taking is that we know the the end result getting getting there is taking a is taking a long time or a longer time than we hoped and in that amount of time jobs are opening jobs are closing where and i still think they're actually kind of in an okay spot but there's really not much competition out there but the longer you go you get a Sean Miller situation and what ripple effect is that like i don't know if we were expecting him to get fired yesterday or whatever it was i mean i mean i don't know because how because yeah. he only had one year left but like who takes that job and what does that mean for you know does it cause a ripple
0: I'm going to guess they're probably not going to hire Archie Miller.
2: No, but right. But I'm saying like (laughs) you're just allowing yourself to be susceptible (laughs) to what other people are doing the longer you don't have an opening to fill. Because like you and I, have, everybody's talked names. We've got a thread full of names. Like we've talked names. A lot of them, I like a pretty good amount. If we're being honest, I would have liked them more than John Brandon two years ago so there's guys that i think at least in my whatever knowledge of basketball you want to say i think can be successful here but you have to have an opening to get one of these guys and the longer this goes maybe some of those guys are like nah you know what it's now may by the time i get in there you know or it's the it's the end of april by the time i get in there it's mid-may and This market, yeah, there's a ton of transfers, but it's going to be totally picked over by the guys that I think I can play at this level. So I'm just going to chill out here for another year. And That's that's what I've been
0: talking about all along, Dave. I know. John Cunningham had to look at this and say, if it's going to take six weeks, is it worth doing that to the basketball program? Right. From all angles, hiring a coach, what the transfer portal looks like. The fact that we're seeing a lot of the high-end names come off the transfer portal, right?
2: You mean like the number one kid going to Memphis?
0: Yeah, something like that. We're seeing the high-end names come off the transfer portal. There are still a lot of Power 5 names left in the transfer portal. Yes. What's the baggage on some of those guys? I know of a high-end name in the transfer portal that the reason he was in the transfer portal is he got caught banging one of his teammates girlfriends on a team that struggled with locker room issues are are you bringing that guy in
2: probably
0: not so you're getting into the guys that are going to be left by mid to late april are guys that are left for a reason.
2: You're getting into the Randy Etzel stereotype of you're in the transfer portal for a reason, which is not fair at all. But if you get into late April and May, all the ones that everybody wants will have already picked their schools. There's a lot
0: of quality in the transfer portal. If you've been in the transfer portal for a month and nobody has bit, guess what? Problem's probably you. So... Is just taking such a dangerous road with this basketball program. It's like I said on Mo today, I was talking to somebody in the, in the university world, pretty high up, who said, look, I know the, the, the school is all in on football, but football has been a factor at the University of Cincinnati for 15 years.
2: I would push back on that comment of that they're all in on football, but that's for another day. They're as all in
0: on football as they can be.
2: I don't know. I don't, are you fighting this battle? If you're really that all in on football?
0: Yes, because the, the end of the tunnel they see is having to pay the basketball coach $0.
2: But the, okay. Well, that's then, uh, then I'm at odds with the thought that they think they're going to get out of this without paying the basketball coach any money.
0: Okay. <laughs> or fine you? yes the point being basketball has been the driving factor at the university of Cincinnati for 60 70 years
2: it's true but it's not the driving factor in college athletics anymore like it was no but it's the
0: driving factor of the fan base Dave it's what people care about you see basketball I know you're different because your grandpa was around the football program you were brought up around the football program. Oh,
2: and the basketball program. I mean, I used to do homework I know. with
0: Huggins' daughter but, on road trips. No, but what I'm saying is you have a connection to the football program that most people your age don't have. Right. They have a connection to the basketball program because the basketball program mattered for a long-ass time. Yes, there were bumps and valleys and peaks on the road, but basketball is what defines this university to the world of college athletics.
2: Well yeah, I mean you look at from from basically 91 to when Mick left, what was that? 18 after 18, after 19 19. 91 to 19. Yeah, you know, I'm just spitballing, but what five years you would consider not good?
0: Talk to us about this on the radio all the time. There's this connection to UC basketball because for the entirety of the '90s and a lot of the 2000s, the only program in this town worth a shit was UC basketball. You had Bengals.
2: A- Bengals were dead. You had AK's year. You had AK's year in mixed first three or four. four years. Yeah, that's it. Every other yeah. year they were good. Now we couldn't qualify good, however we want. we went into every season being like, but they won. We're making the tournament. Yeah.
0: You didn't have a lost decade. Like the Bengals did. You didn't have three successful years in a 20 year stretch. Like the reds, like, you know, Xavier is, is probably the closest.
2: Oh, for sure. But
0: that's what, that's what people came to expect with UC basketball in a town where very little winning was happening for 30 years. It was essentially UC basketball, Xavier basketball, a stretch here and there for the Bengals, a stretch here and there for the Reds, and then the Brian Kelly years. So it matters to people. And you can't just toss this fucking thing into limbo. Like, it doesn't matter. And that's what we've done. For a month, this program has been beep,
2: beep. Well, I got people asking me, like, what's going on? And I'm like, guys, the best way for me to tell you this is to just go about your day like it's not a thing. And then when it happens, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Because if you sit there and, (laughs) and, and and I I mean, for us, it's great. I mean, we have a a thread that has like 65,000 views. Dave, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But like, we've told you guys for how many weeks that, like, this could take a while no, there's no update, like, and that's the sad part about it. And the unfortunate part about it is because of the way that things are going now, there's not going to be enough, any updates. Like it's, this isn't a coaching search where we find out that somebody interviewed and, or, or, you know, like there are no updates until there is an answer. Right. So, you know, if it's eating you up, I would just say, (laughs) <laughs> take a break and be pleasantly surprised when something happens. Cause I mean, I don't think it's going to get this long now at this point, if you're starting to hear that maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but like it wasn't that long ago that we were here in May. I mean,
0: I'm not ruling that out. I think a lot of people right now are just guessing and hoping they're right.
2: Right. I'm trying to be realistic of like, Hey, This could be a while. And I had someone be like, I I hope you're joking. I'm like, not even a little.
0: I wish we were joking.
2: Because I I just don't want to, I don't want people to think that like, we're not giving them info or we're not, you know, we're being real. Like if they keep butting heads, if UC keeps being hell bent on, we're giving you zero dollars. And Coach Brandon and Tom Marr's side is hell bent on saying, "We're we want it all." There's no resolution anytime soon. Then, no.
0: So, well, the only resolution would be firing him for cause. Once you fire him for cause, you can go on with with hiring yeah. a new basketball coach.
2: That's and and we have kind of talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or not. And you bring up good points about like you better be buttoned up, blah, blah, you know, all of that. I've said they should have done that two weeks ago and just figured it out then.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm telling you, if you go into a court of law.
2: But they didn't have anything a few weeks ago. They're not going to have anything now. So what's the difference? We don't know that. We don't know that. But if, You assume I, I that. Mean, we assume that, but my thinking is, if they had something that they thought was ironclad, they would have fired him by now.
0: You, you would hope so.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. You so would like, hope so. So if you didn't have it two weeks ago and you don't have it now, you're not getting it in another two weeks. So quit, quit whatever this is that you're doing, make the move, get the new guy, and if it takes two years, then it takes two years. But you're just going to keep this in limbo until, until one of these sides bends? Right. Like, because that's not happening. Like, if UC's come this far, I can't imagine – Tomorrow they're gonna go, okay, we've been telling you we were going to give you $0, but now we'll give you 3.5 million. And I can't imagine John's side going up until today, going, we want all of the money. And then tomorrow going, okay, we know you've been telling us that you're not going to give us any money, but we'll take 3.5 million. Like, I'm just throwing that number out there. Like, that's not realistic. Right. Neither of those sides is going to do that. So we're just gonna keep doing the stare down so you you should just fire his ass and deal with the consequences cuz you should have done it 2 or 3 weeks ago. If you if you felt that convicted that he shouldn't be your basketball coach, then make him not your basketball coach. And quit screwing over your program.
0: I mean, I think ultimately that's that's the that's the the the, the definitive statement right there. But
2: when they do that in a couple of weeks, we're all going to go, "What the fuck did you not do this for a month ago and you just screwed you screwed yourself?"
0: Yeah. Unless you got a hire ready the next day. And then how much heat are you going to take for having a hire ready the next day?
2: See, that's the other thing I wouldn't care, but I would have also done this. You know, I don't care. Like, I guess I just, you know, clearly John Cunningham's mind and mine do not work the same. He is much smarter than me. He is a athletic director at a major university. I am not, and never will be, but like, I just don't I don't see the the process here and how you feel good about the result when when you have that press conference saying or that statement saying that we have relieved John Brandon of his duties and am now just and, and are now conducting a nationwide search for his replacement, whenever that day is, how do you feel good about where your program is putting that statement out based on everything that has happened?
0: I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could feel good about it.
2: Straight up, and like, they might make a great hire, and the the pain, you know, the you know, the labor pains might not last very long. But we're not anywhere near that point yet. So if you're thinking that that's going to happen, you're just hoping in one hand and you know what, and in the other, and seeing which one fills up faster.
0: I don't. I don't want to. You know what, in the other. <laughs> Most people. Well, don't- I- I've only known one guy that has ever done that. You don't know why he did it?
2: I don't really want to know why he did it.
0: Oh, it's bad.
2: But that's why I don't want to know. Because I figure if you're doing that, it's not for like a good reason.
0: So he was a, a DJ. Nope, at nope, prominent we're going
2: to just skip on to that.
0: No, I'm telling this story. So he's a DJ at a prominent club. This is one what of the- you
2: do to us, you see. When you <laughs> do things like screw around and not grow up hair. You make Chad talk about people pooping in their hands.
0: So he's a DJ at a prominent club and one of the, the security bouncer guys When you're a DJ, you generally like, you, you, you push the mic away when you're not talking into it. Right. The mics aren't like a flimsy, like mic stand thing. You get done, you talk on it and then you push the mic away and the bouncer would walk past and put chewed-up gum on the the DJ's mic. So when the DJ would pull the mic back to his mouth to talk, he would get this guy's chewed-up gum in his mouth.
2: It's Pretty gross.
0: So at the end of the night, while the guy was cleaning the club, the DJ went into the bathroom, put on a glove, pooped in his hand, went to the guy's car, and put it underneath his doorknob, (laughs) door handle. So that when the DJ went to open up his car door, he got there when the, the bouncer went to open up the car door. He got the DJ's poop all <sighs> over his hands.
2: So, so sorry that anyone had to hear that. Like, <laughs> I mean, all the cussing and I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're going to get also, d- home
0: alone for five days and I'm, I'm, I'm banned
2: by like the FCC or something. It's a real life story. It happened. I, I know. I know. But anyway. But I think we both, I mean, somehow we talked about it for almost 30 minutes. Try, yeah, go ahead and try to just get
0: things back on track. After when we start.
2: don't even, when we, when nothing's really changed since the last time we talked about this.
0: Right. That's the hard part is nothing's, nothing's new. I mean, I guess what the Tom Mars angle is new. I mean,
2: I'm, I'm almost like apathetic about it, but yet I just, you know, was mad about it because it's just like, it doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense.
0: They, 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 you know since like we did if you the told
2: last... someone this is how their business was gonna handle a relieving someone of their duties in the corporate world people would be like well, why don't you just fire him and figure it out because you need someone to do that job right
0: here's the thing though man I keep hearing like if they need the five million dollars they've got the five million dollars I don't buy
2: that who's saying that?
0: I've had like three people say that to me today.
2: Like did they just like you are not asking the right banker at the university for like the the five million dollar check?
0: Well, everybody looks at you know there's money in the endowment, and if they they have you know money put aside if they need it for
2: there's money, but like that doesn't mean they can have it. When you go to the person that actually, like, controls that money and they say, hello, Chad, what would you like today? And you say, I have, like, $5 million. And they say, what for? And you say, to make my basketball coach go away. They say no. Like that's Because not, that $5 million
0: is for building something. That's not Or for like, researching something. In our
2: world, we're like, oh, yeah, give them the $5 million. But in, like, college world, like, that's – people don't give you – like, they don't give you money out of – a a university's account to make a bad decision or a bad person go away. They didn't give them money to give the football coach a raise.
0: They had to go out and raise that through, through, through donors, private, private uh, private
2: funding. If I'm that person, I'm going, it's not my fault. That the last guy that was here hired him. Right. I'm not giving you $5 million for someone else's mistake.
0: They've got it. They've got it somewhere. You know, it's in the couch cushions.
2: Check the couch cushions. It's in there. The school school getting $7 million a year from their television contract just has 5 million bucks floating around to make a guy go away. Think of it like that.
0: That's what 80% of your your yearly
2: television contract you're
0: going to spend to make John Brandon go away. Really? Really? Or just somebody, somebody's going to give it to you. This ain't this ain't IU with double-digit billion-dollar donors. Ain't how this works. It's just not. They, they don't have the money just laying around to make John Brandon go away. That's why they're trying to fire him for cause. But they, they had have, the money.
2: They, they, He'd have been gone been like, three weeks ago. Like, here's the money. Go the fuck get away. Out.
0: <laughs> Pack your shit and get out. And John Brandon would have been like, thank you for my $5.25 million. Hopefully we'll never see each other again.
2: Yeah. <clears throat>
0: I, I don't know. I don't really have anything else on it.
2: No, I don't know. I, re- I, mean, I mean, I just want it to be resolved so that they can try to salvage whatever is left to be salvaged and and the other thing too that is you know that is killing me is like the whole athletic department now is like frozen because of this like you don't hear shit about the spring game that's next week Yeah, you don't hear anything about anything like you know this is a rant for another day but like COVID has apparently made all forms of communication out of the Linder Center not possible.
0: Oh, they still, have most definitely hid behind COVID year.
2: Because we haven't heard shit since that fancy freaking email that went out uh, almost two months ago. Now, granted, there's been this coaching thing. But like, you know, it's just... You, you want us to be, you want us to have your side? You want us to support you? And then you don't say anything about anything, anything about anything. Not like, I'm not even talking about saying anything about the Brandon situation. Because I understand that that's not really possible. But like, seriously, we don't hear shit about shit. But we, but we need your money. Okay. Of where course. Do, where do I sign? Where do I drop my check off?
0: <laughs> let, let me let me uh let me give you all my money without any communication seems oh. like a bad way to fundraise
2: it just drives me crazy because the, te- the 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 team that is and has been one of the worst in all of sports in fan engagement is in your city and in the last 12 months has flipped the script like nobody that's ever lived here for longer than a minute could have possibly imagined. Yep. And you're sitting here watching them do that, and you're doing nothing.
0: Dave, these are the same people that there's no one from the 2019 in the the Ring of Honor. You have multiple all Americans. They always like, you know, you, they've got these criteria that you have to meet.
2: Get rid of the criteria. Put your best players in.
0: Well, whatever, but you have a couple guys that meet the criteria. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying how, in general, like. Dave, how did you have Mike Mickens on staff for two years and you didn't put him in the ring of honor?
2: How? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm tired of trying to to understand. I'm tired of it. Like the other team is now one of the most engaged, most clicked, most viewed NFL teams in the entire league, and they did that in b- because they drafted one guy.
0: Yep, and, and they they did get somebody in charge.
2: But that's what I'm saying. Of like new media. Look what can happen if you just try. That's all I think that's all the people actually are asking for. Just make an effort, man. Like make an effort. Dave, you're coming off of Oh, don't get me started arguably, on the time that is the time and dollars that have been wasted not taking advantage of the last 2 years of the football program. Don't e- don't even start with me on that. I could go for another hour on that subject alone. So I'm not
0: allowed to say you're coming off of potentially the greatest season in program history and going into a season with a better roster and you're not capitalizing on it at all.
2: The recruiting department put out a tweet today talking about the last three years, they're 31 and six. That is better than 99% of teams in the country. What do we hear about that from the university? Nothing, nothing. I don't you hear, hear about it
0: from the football program.
2: I don't hear anything. I don't hear, I don't hear radio commercials. I don't hear TV commercials. I don't hear things for season tickets. I don't hear things about the spring game. I don't hear things about how many guys we got in the NFL. I don't hear things about uh, new season ticket holders can can do a tour of the Linder Center or of the suites because maybe you might want to fucking buy one. I don't hear shit about anything. And don't give me this COVID crap because not so every other school has just stopped reaching out to their fans because of COVID. They they all lost money, guys. Every damn one of them. You know what you can do, Dave? If you can't give people a real tour of the, the suites,
0: you can do a virtual tour. Chad, there's I mean you can just, but you can make people feel engaged and they don't do it.
2: Uh I didn't want to talk about this tonight. I didn't want to. Okay, we can stop. We no, can stop. I, no, because it just it just bothers me. Like it'd be one thing if you're like, man, our athletic department is freaking all our teams suck. And we don't have anything right. to we don't have anything to bang our chest about. We don't have anything to brag about. We, I mean, we're, we're struggling, but it's like the exact opposite. Up until this year, your basketball team, even with coach Braden, was in line to go to the tournament. You won the conference tournament. Your baseball team went to the, the uh, college world series for the first time ever. Your football team is 31 and six in their last three years. Your volleyball team went to the end, went to the sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. What I guess would have been not this past year. just happened two years, years ago. Yeah. Years ago. I mean, is like at a school at UC's level, is there anybody doing more? Your golf team had a golfer that went to I think the was it the final four of the United States amateur? Yep. Like what are we doing? What are we doing?
0: It's supposed to just sell itself, Dave. It's supposed to sell itself. <laughs>
2: but you want people to give you five million dollars to make someone else's bad decision go away. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: It's about dave It's about compliance. That's what's. That's what you also have to days. ask people
2: for money for the for them to give it to you too, and that's another issue in and of itself. Because I know several people that have, within the last five years, uh donated at least five figures at one time. You know, maybe more, and have never heard a word from anybody there ever again.
0: Yeah yeah
2: so if you want people to give you money to buy out john brandon at least the first step is you at least got to ask for it if you, you want think. People, if you want to build a damn locker room that you just cut in half you might want to ask some people for the money and i know the whole like oh we raised 80 like of it silently because you don't want to announce something and then not be able to follow through well, you cut it from eight to four and you still didn't announce anything. So you didn't have four to begin with.
0: Right. <laughs> if you cut it from eight I to mean, four. I'm not good at you math. Should at all. Able, I, you I, should have just been able to, 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 do, to do, 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 do the damn project.
2: The, yeah? the, the announcement should have been we're cutting this from eight to four because COVID hurt us, but we have the four. So we're just going to do what $4 million can get us. And we all would have been like, hey, that's awesome. A $4 million locker room is better than one that hasn't been touched since 1990-whatever. Well,
0: 2006. 2006.
2: Still, that's 15 years ago. Before my daughter was born. You know what has happened in athletic uh, (laughs) facilities in 15 years?
0: Quite a bit. Quite a bit.
2: So you didn't have anywhere near four. Or else... If you had the 70, 80% silent, you would have then gone, okay, public, here's your chance to help us out to get to four. But this,
0: I I heard from a donor and I won't, I won't say who, but I, I know from what I was told, this donor uh, contributed significantly in the early stages of the locker room project when it was, you know, the full scale locker room project. They weren't notified that it was cut In half they found out on Bearcat Journal.
2: (laughs) I'd ask for my fucking money back if that happened, honestly. Like if I gave you a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars, maybe more, and I found out from a message board that you cut the the money, the project that I donated to in half, I'd want my money back. Because if you can't if you can't even tell me that. You're doing this? Then how can I trust you to do anything? And why should I give you my money? It was the same with with Mick's
0: locker room project when they took that money that Mick had raised and put it into the fund for the renovation of Fifth Third Arena. I know multiple people who donated money to that project.
2: For the locker room, not for the
0: renovation
2: of Fifth Third Arena. They donated it to to Mick Cronin for the locker room.
0: They were not informed that their money had been uh, dissolved into the arena renovation,
2: and this just all goes back into my. If you're going to talk about P6 and you're going to talk about next level, you got to act like it. And they don't. And that's that. They don't. They, no one can. The, he, no one can tell me that they do. They do not. So I don't. Here's the thing,
0: hear Dave. Here's the thing, Dave. Let's say hypothetically you did donate six figures to the locker room project when it was eight million. And you had found out it had been cut to four million on Bearcat Journal. What happens the next time they call you for money?
2: I don't kiss answer. my ass.
0: I don't, I don't kiss my ass. Yeah, you can't treat you people do? that
2: way. Because what are you going to do with my money now? You're going to hold it here until you can't raise enough to to do what you're telling me that you're going to do, and then you're going to end up using it for something else or not using it at all, like repurposing it. Yeah, I mean, this person might've given them that money how many years ago? And it's still, it, you see, he's just holding it. Just, Hey, we got this money from, from Jim Bob and he gave it to us in 2016 for the locker room, but we haven't gotten around to doing it, but Hey, that's money that he doesn't need, obviously. Cause he's got a ton. So we're just going to hold on to it. Communicate with him. Let him know what's going on.
0: Hey, we're having a dinner with all the people that donated in the first stage of the locker room project to discuss what's going on with the project. How about that? We're having a Zoom call with the people that donated to the locker room project to discuss what's going on with the locker room project. How about that? Look, I just came up with two ideas. One, Maybe you can do. Maybe you can't because of COVID. The other one, you absolutely can do. You can get a hundred people on a Zoom call. Think they had a hundred people donate to that project?
2: I'll get COVID for a new locker room. I got a great, I got a great <laughs> immune system. I'll come to your dinner. Like, just stop, just stop bullshitting Like, just stop acting like you're trying to be something that you're not actually trying to be.
0: Think that's a, a good ending point. I think that's a good ending point. I don't know how we ended up there, but uh no. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> I always know that's a. If I need an extra ten minutes on a podcast, I know that's a button I can push.
2: Just, I just don't understand why it's so hard. Maybe I agree. it's because I went to a big school and they it's it's easy to to fundraise and it's easy to engage down there you got no competition it's tennessee sports has been in people's bloods for generations and generations and no matter how good or bad they are they're still that thing that people look at and go you know i want to be a part of that and and they had an ad that didn't even really fundraise when A few years after I was in school and they, they brought in $30 million. Dave,
0: that goes back to the, what I talked about with the basketball program. You have people that have been invested in this basketball program for 50, 60, 70 years.
2: Yeah. They're my, my family members.
0: (laughs) Right. And, and, and you don't engage them. You don't build a long-term relationship with them. And we are looking at twice now in 15 years that you have just completely shit on them. It's a bad way to do business. It's a bad fucking way to do business. It
2: is because we're not at like, I don't think anything that we have any of our points of, of criticism or the things that we ask very rarely do any of them really cost money. Like, I'm not saying like spend a bunch of dollars to engage your fans like because we understand that they don't have a massive budget for those type of things but like i don't know pick up the phone do something more than just a mass email blast like i i don't know i mean you're having fans at your spring game which is great i'm glad they are we actually talked about that a month or so ago and you didn't think that they would and they are and yet outside of the one tweet there has not been another word about the spring game there's not been anything about hey if you're not a season ticket holder you can come and tour the seats you can come tour the 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 boxes Uh, If you sign up for season tickets at the spring game, you will get this. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's. You saw us kick the shit out of literally everybody we played last year, except for Georgia. How about you become a season ticket holder? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Here's where you can sit. Here's why it's a better deal than the Bengals or the Reds or Xavier Basketball or Kentucky football. Like, brag. Puff your chest out. Put it out a press release. Kentucky's a hundred miles away. They suck and they charge you out the ass for season tickets. You can come here and watch a good team and you can go for $99. Like, why are we afraid to brag about being good at stuff?
0: Maybe. Take the guy you hired to be in charge of fan engagement and get him on the radio. Get him on podcasts. Get him on outlets that connect with your fan base. I I heard Elizabeth Blackburn on with Lance today, or on with Mo today. Funny how that works. Do something. People want to talk about it.
2: They were on every, every time slot, almost every time slot, partly because the Reds were off today. Of course, that's th- great fucking planning day. Right. From three to six and then from seven to, to 10 or whatever, six to nine, every single time slot had someone to do with the Bengals, whether it was Anthony I guarantee Genos, you, o- Elizabeth Blackburn, you know, whoever. And I know we're not getting John Cunningham on the radio right now because no one wants to talk to John Cunningham unless it's about the basketball thing. But wouldn't this be a great time to maybe try to divert some of all this anger that everybody has to your football team? Who has a spring game in a week and a half?
0: You don't think the Re- the Bengals didn't look at the fact that the Reds were off today
2: and pin this specifically? Oh, for sure, as a day to do this. Well, guess what? I guess what I don't know the Red schedule, but I'm willing to bet next Monday they don't play. Or no, not next Monday. The 19th. Here's a little sneak peek for you. I'm willing to bet they don't play.
0: Okay. Spring game's gonna be over by then.
2: Yeah, but you know what you know what's happening on the nineteenth? That I'm pretty sure is happening? Bengals uniform reveal. Makes sense. So if the Reds are I don't know, I don't follow the Reds. So but if the Reds aren't playing on the nineteenth and the Bengals announce their new uniforms, it's not gonna be a coincidence.
0: Might help to have somebody that understands the town. It understands. The landscape because it feels like we're flying blind right now in more ways than one and i know that is a depressing final half hour of the show shit 45 minutes of the show and i know we <laughs> cussed a lot sorry but we get worked up on these things okay and uh man. i think that's but a good place be to that call way, it
2: man there's so much good stuff that happens in the in the athletic department The players, the coaches, the success that these that a lot of these guys and girls. Oh, guess what, Chad? What? No game on the nineteenth. Yep. But there's so much good that's that's happened. Even in the last, just go back five years. A lot, almost every sport has had some level of major, major success in the last five years. So it's, it's not like this is UConn or Tulsa or, or some Sunbelt program. I mean, this is, this is a program that I guarantee you if you asked every single Power Five conference, you can get rid of somebody and add somebody. UC would be at the tip of every single Power Conference's tongue. And yet, We don't hear about the successes and about the programs in our own fricking town.
0: Pretty annoying, isn't it?
2: It's very annoying. You know, I used to be like, Oh, it's no big deal. Like when you go into certain stores and it's like, Oh, there's a bunch of Ohio state stuff in Cincinnati and there's Bengal stuff and there's red stuff and there's no UC stuff. I'm like, I was just like, Oh, it's no big deal, whatever. But at some point you're just like, they just don't care. Like they don't care about expanding the fan base. They don't care about engaging with their fans because if they cared, they wouldn't just. Con- and this isn't a this administration thing. This is a UC thing. This is this has happened long before John Cunningham's been around.
0: Yeah, this is a that uh, dates back to what the beginning of time.
2: But right now is the height of social media. The height of. The height of the sport you – know, you talked about basketball being you know, the bellwether, and I agree, but like right now, no, college football has never been more popular than it is right now. Never and you've got been, a, seat, you've got a never, seat at
0: the table. Never seat, been
2: more popular than it is right now. A legit
0: seat at the table with the hottest coaching name in the country, a loaded team that looks too like we – for the for – the, It would be the first time in history there would there would be multiple first
2: rounders or or guys first. Well, I guess Greg Cook would count. Yeah. So not first time a first rounder, but like, is he the only one? Maybe. And that I think so. The Bengals started in 1969, and so he would have been in the what early 70s. Yeah. So I mean, 40 years, 50 years, you might have two. You, we talked about on the last podcast, you might have eight to 10 guys drafted. You have a coach that's turned down any number of, of opportunities. You have assistant coaches that are, have great personalities that have come from major programs. Nobody knows anything about them. Um, Obviously you're not going to get your players and stuff. I mean, we understand that, but like, I, I'm just so tired of it. And I don't want to hear COVID is the excuse anymore. Like, all these other businesses have, have shifted and revamped themselves and knock on out of business. They fit all these other businesses. I mean, obviously tons have, it's been unfortunate, but like people are thriving. People are making money. People are prospering. And we just don't hear a damn thing.
0: Yep. 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 All right. Well,
2: Happy Thursday, everybody. <laughs> I hope they fire John tomorrow so people don't have to listen to this. So they just skip right past all of our bitching and we can move on to like the next step. But, but we're going to bring it up. I know we're going to bring it up again because I've saved that email purposely so that I can go. That email was sent on February 13th and there ain't been shit done since in June, July, August, whenever that is. Yep. And I don't really care if that pisses anybody off because I give a lot of shits about the programs and the school, and I didn't even go there. So if I didn't even go to UC and this is the way that this crap makes me feel, then how do the people, how do you think the people that went there and gave them their money feel about it? They just don't have a platform to, to shout about it on. So I do the shouting for them. I didn't even go to school there.
0: If you feel disenfranchised, please contact us. We'll, we'll get you a voice changer.
2: Call Chad. Don't and let's call
0: talk. Me. You know. <laughs> all right, Dave. we we'll, uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings.
2: I uh, hope it brings low scores to my team that I picked for the Masters because today they all sucked.
0: I'm gonna probably watch a lot of the Masters tomorrow. Lucky dog. Wife, wife's gone. Daughter's gone. All I got to do is sit around and refresh Twitter and wait to to see if anything happens. (laughs) Tomorrow night, sitting by the fire with my dad. First fire pit Friday. Dad's birthday was today.
2: I I might have to come out and join you.
0: You're more than welcome. More than welcome. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. See you next time. It's the Holy Grail. BCJ podcast, right here on BearcatJournal